Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years, and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers. Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it. They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot, all under one roof, ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK. With taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees. They even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only. And depending on the challenges thrown at them, they still find a way to, to win the game. And, you know, that we're going to need that because not every game is going to run smoothly. Right? Smooth, smooth, smooth. Just make sure we, we get our performances in and, and get the three points every game. And that's uh, what we are doing at the moment. Come on, come on. Football show with the Taxi Centre. Hosted by Rob McLean, Craig Moore, and Leanne Crichton. Listen live weeknights from five. Talking Scottish football first. Let's go! Okay, that's 12 games to go and still just a point between Celtic and Rangers. Since their one-sided old firm showdown, Rangers have beaten Hearts and Hibs by a combined 7-0. Craig Moore, who are your title favourites? I've got to stick, like I says, with, with Rangers. I know the, the old firm match was an extremely disappointing one um, for Rangers, obviously. But in terms of bouncing back and showing character, they've done exactly that and won their last two games. So I, I still think that they can build them and go and win the title. 2-0 against Hibs it was last night. Celtic looked to be cruising. Uh, they were two up last night inside 20 minutes at Pataudry. Aberdeen scored twice in the first 15 minutes of the second half. Then Celtic immediately went up the pitch and scored again. That was the final score, 3-2. couple of very debatable decisions, uh, Leanne Crichton, but Celtic keep on finding a way of winning. Yeah, they do. Really, really impressive. I think they're opening 45 minutes and most of the games that I've watched in probably the last two or three months have been electrifying. That quick start has certainly paid off because I think you know teams then get a chance in the second half to regroup and change the system, get a little bit about them. Aberdeen did that last night, but they just didn't have enough and Celtic managed to get over the line. Leanne Crichton, Craig Moore, Rob McLean on Thursday's Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre and with you if you want to join us for some football chat between now and 7 0808 17 17 700 on the socials at Go Football Show we are heading fast towards a Scottish Cup uh, weekend so we will get away from the title race for a few days but we'll be talking plenty about it tonight what do you think uh, who's going to land this oh-so-important Premiership uh, title. Uh, 12 games to go. We're also going to hear from a former Celtic player who is helping Rangers' new uh, rival, Aaron Ramsey, to settle in in Glasgow. More of that uh, later on in the show. But let's start with some breaking news, and it is that Wraith Rovers uh, manager John McGlynn has spoken for the first time about what he describes as the enormous error the club made in signing David Goodwillie. Uh, they sparked an outcry, uh, did Wraith, when they signed the former Scottish international striker who was ruled to be a rapist in a civil case in 2017. Uh, the club uh, did a U-turn and decided he wouldn't, uh, after all, play for them. Talks are continuing about terminating his contract. Well, this was, uh, earlier on today, the Wraith Rovers manager, John McGlynn. We apologise uh, enormously for the distress that we've brought to our fans, our sponsors, 
anyone that uh, hurt in any way at all. Uh, it was never our intention to to do that. You know, I'm, I've been at a football club now, going for the best part of nine years and two two separate occasions, and there's no way that I would have wanted to have brought the the last ten days to the football club more on the front page for the wrong reasons uh, than we are on the back page. So really. Uh, here to apologise for bringing our football club, our supporters, uh, uh, into the situation that we that we find ourselves in. He sounds distinctly uncomfortable, Leanne, and so he should. Absolutely, yeah, but it's little too late, I think, in uh, my opinion. I would have liked to have heard from John McGlynn last week when this was at the height of the news and you know the talking points that were going on. Um, before the people at Wraith Rovers had to suffer what they suffered and before other you know, people in the public eye had to make a statement and, and come out and speak and, and try and salvage this situation. But I'm really shocked at John McGlynn and you know, he's a manager that I've looked at a lot in the last number of years, been across the Championship in terms of football. I thought he he was doing a really good job. But this is is just, for me, I think his position's untenable. He would uh, love, clearly, to be able to rewind the tape. We apologise. Now, we just completely underestimated the feeling and uh, the depth of the feeling that uh, has come from that signing. We did not anticipate that at all. And it is with much regret for everyone involved that we find ourselves in this, this situation. We would, if we could turn the clock back, for everyone's point of view, yeah, we would do it in a minute, in an absolute minute, because it's it's not been it's not been great for anyone. Everyone's lost here. And there's no winners in this. So, uh, but from a footballing point of view, yeah, and our aim maybe took over from the other side, uh, which is the the non-footballing side, and our ambition. And there's nothing wrong with ambition, but we've obviously hurt a lot of people, and we apologise to each and every one of them. Failures to read the room, Craig, don't come much worse than that, do they? Massively, massively, Rob. I mean, everybody that was involved in that process that actually approved this signing in the first place, uh, I kind of agree with Leanne. I, I think that they're in a position where, um, you know, their role should be seriously looked at. Potentially these people should be standing down, if not being relieved of their duties. I, I think that this was a really, really poor choice. Um you know, to the fans, the supporters of that football club, but more importantly, the broader society. This this is something that I think um, it's just was a really, really poor message. And unfortunately, what comes over, and even in the back of John's uh, interview at the back end there, it, it got switched back to, to football and winning. Mm. Um, and for me... For me, that, that that's poor because football is, is so much more than that. It brings uh, a lot of joy to people. Um, but at the same time, there's um, there's values, there, there's certain things that, that just certainly cannot be acceptable um, in terms of, um, you know, things that happen. And, and, and clubs need to be the leaders to really mm -hmm. set the standard. And um, there was enough noise in the earlier part of this for, to suggest that it was a really, really bad idea. Um, and now they're having to backtrack a little bit. So in terms of <laughs> uh, reading the room, completely got that. Wrong. And you would imagine that, uh, Leanne, until the whole, everyone who was involved in that decision is removed, mm. 
Mm -hmm. uh, there's going to be no return to anything like normality for Wraith Rovers and, and, they're, and they've got big financial issues obviously on the back of this. Yeah, and I think the, the biggest bit for me is that they clearly did prioritise winning over any sort of morality and, and values in life. Football should never have come into it. It should never have been a consideration. And I think whilst the, the majority of those people remain within that football club, I think it, it will almost be impossible to regain any sort of trust and John McGlynn speaks here about building bridges I don't know how that's possible because if you're a fan that has really walked away from that club or you're a stakeholder within it that has felt the need to go and retract any sort of investment that you've had how do you then go and reinvest that interest whether it be from a financial perspective or an emotional perspective um, when the same people remain within the club so um, I think John McGlynn has made it clear that Winning for him and trying to get Wraith Rovers up a division was much more important to him um, than any other aspects of what that decision-making process should have looked like. And I think that probably this statement today and, and coming out and speaking about it will actually just raise another couple of red flags that people will now begin to understand that John McGlynn was actually part of that decision-making process and, and he's quite happily discussing it and, and making it clear that he got it wrong. Mm. I'm not sure who was advising uh, Wraith Rovers at the time, or or whether they just ignored any outside advice that that was that was coming their way. Um, but I mean, massively damaging, and it, and it just underlines how much a football club like Wraith Rovers is the centre of a community in Kirkcaldy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's so important that it, it just there are, there are so many connections to the club. You know, most people in Kirkcaldy, it's not that big a place that probably. And most households will have will have some sort of connection to the club. It's it's the heartbeat of the community, and you know maybe this is a reminder to to us all about about the importance of a football club, and it's not just about winning games. No, for me, it's it, it is much much more than that. I mean, yes, football gives um, you know a lot of happiness to to a lot of people who who support our great game, uh, but you need to you, you know Leanne's touch. You, you need to have morals. You need to have values. Um, you need to have good culture and unacceptable behaviour, no matter what that is. It needs to be deemed unacceptable and, and therefore not making decisions to show that, okay, well, that's going to be okay at our football club. For me, as soon as you set that tone, then um, damage limitation, you, you lose the trust of your, your potential sponsors, current sponsors, the supporter base, um, as you touch on when you go to those kind of smaller clubs, Rob, but they're really strong communities. You, you you really, I think, take the risk of, of tearing a football club apart. Mm -hmm. I think the bit that I find frustrating as well, Rob, when, when I listen to all is a lot of the justification seems to be going back to the fact that, you know, the player had played for five years with another club. And I think that at no point was that ignored. And I think that's what people are getting away from. And at no point did people fully appreciate or accept that that was the right thing either. And whether that's what Wraith Rovers had managed to convince themselves that because that had happened for five years that it would be okay for Wraith Rovers to also make that same decision. I think, if anything, it probably shows you how far we've come in that five years that actually people now feel that there's enough voice and, and, and people feel empowered enough to actually stand up and say, you know, wholeheartedly, I do not agree with that decision and this is how I will act. And that that actually carried quite a lot of weight this time round. Whereas I think those people that spoke out in 2017, and that took a, a you know a presidented stance against it, there wasn't enough support and there wasn't enough backing. And for five years, it's probably been able to just fizzle out 
and everybody just got on with their day job and literally, you know, it was status quo. It's changed now and it's not acceptable and there's been a lot of other things this week, certainly in the news that, you know, have come to light in terms of that responsibility that football clubs have, as sports people do have. Um, it's not like any other job. You're in the public eye and you've got a duty and a responsibility to behave and, and go about life in a certain way. And at the point that that doesn't happen, we need to call out that type of behaviour. The explanation about Kurt Zuma playing for West Ham the other night, what, given by Davy Moyes, what was, um, you know, it's a, it's for football reasons. You know, he is part of our best team. We need him if we're going to win the game. We need him if we're going to qualify for the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it just seemed a bit too easy to be sweeping aside the the ethics and the morals of that horrific video that was that was posted of, of uh, Zuma kicking yeah. his cat. But again, Robert, it kind of comes back a little bit like, like the race situation. It's like this player is important for us to win this football match. Um, you know, and I think, unfortunately for me, I think Moyes has let himself down there because, and again, as a, as a football club, but as a manager, you're the, you're the face of that football club. And to say that it was, it's more about we need this player no matter what they've done. Yeah. Um, we need this player to play to go and win a game of football. I think is um, is not a great example, and uh, certainly in terms of um, you know the the supporters and and the football club, it's it's just not a good look. Like so I'm sure there's you know all the, all the supporters that are supporting West Ham thinking that that, that was uh, the wrong choice. Mm. But again, you're going like how how has he given the the start after all the publicity and obviously clearly seeing that um, you know he's he's done the wrong thing. I think you've really got to stand up and be strong. Um, and, and and make the tough decisions. You know, you just got to make the right call. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you talk about being being good to, to to people and being treated the way that you'd expect to be treated yourself. It's the same with animals. Like you know, and the the behaviour needs to be called out. And I just felt that that West Ham certainly didn't act upon it in the right way. Is there too much around the football world being brushed under the carpet, Leanne? Yeah, for me, 100%. I think sport generally, I've spoke a lot about it just now and um, even in terms of my, my degree just now, it's a lot of the stuff that I focus on and discussing is morality and sport and I think it lacks it. it, it right across the globe, it lacks it. You look at a lot of the decision-making that happens, um, a lot of the scenarios that we discuss in terms of nations that you know get host tournaments and certain things that go on and certain things that we just almost accepting you use sport in that sports washing way where you use it as a distraction from everything else that goes on and I think that that's where a lot of probably narrowing it down just now at football clubs is that they're happy to, to run that risk of you know we'll take the gamble because if we win if there's success people will forget about it you know and mm. David Moyes for example made that decision by playing Kurt Zuma he thought if you get the, the result and you get the points the fans won't care. They might have been upset about it today, but if the club does well, if you go and get a Champions League, but at what point do we say that's not acceptable? You know, and I, I think we need to keep having these discussions and speaking about these moments and it's not about witch hunts, it's not about going after certain individuals, it's about recognising the position that we all have and that, you know, can be a really strong and powerful one where you can actually impact people's lives for the better, that you can send clear messages, especially to young people about what life looks like and the challenges that you might face and the things that are right and the things that are wrong and certainly as a person that has a voice and you know a public image like most sports people do have you need to use that in the correct way and we have seen people power uh, succeeding spectacularly uh, when you just look back a, a few months uh, when you think about the European Super League uh, that that whole 
that obscene idea shot down uh, very quickly. In, in the first place. I mean, how, how quickly did that fall to pieces? Purely, purely because of people power, fans of clubs saying, no, don't want that. And, and you can imagine that power being applied in the situations we're talking about as well. Well, in regards to the Super League, it, it didn't even take a day, did it? Really, in terms of the, the, the negativity from um, majority of, of football uh, who really stood up and stamped their feet and, and said that this is not what we want. Um, so, uh, again, you know, we're, but we're talking about football there and business. These other situations uh, are more, more personal and they're more, um, you know, real-life sort of like incidents that we, we've, got to, we've got to act on and show that it's, it's unacceptable. You know, for me, hurting animals, mistreating uh, anybody, uh, you know, females, uh, anything like that, unacceptable behaviour I think needs to be called out. Um, at the same time, Rob, you don't want to, I mean, tack at the same time you can make mistakes in, in, in life, mm -hmm. but at some stage, you know, people deserve a second chance, but at the same time it needs to be on the back of, I guess, a lot of, a lot of work. We're talking football and everything to do with football and everything surrounding football between now and 7. 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's go, 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 go. Just about got through that um, Rob McLean Leanne Crichton and Craig Moore on Thursday's Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre uh, looking back on what happened last night in the Premiership 2-0 Rangers against Hibs at Ibrox James Tavernier heard them ahead inside five minutes uh, and Celtic looked to be in control at 2-0 inside 20 at Petodre uh, Aberdeen and other ideas came back uh, equalised early second half after about an hour Celtic immediately went up the, the pitch and scored uh, there were a few complaints uh, from Aberdeen in the course of that game about uh, an offside uh, Leal Abada was he interfering with play looked like it uh, for that fifth goal of the game and uh, there was also the incident uh, where Matt O'Reilly collided with uh, Lewis Ferguson he was looking for a penalty no joy it finished 3-2 this was Ange Postacoglu afterwards I'm on the halfway line I've got no idea what, what's going on I, yeah, they seem pretty upset by it but you know, from my perspective the good thing was that you know, when they got the equaliser we kind of you know, put the foot down a bit and, and decided that you know, we'd be a bit more aggressive with our play and, and try and get a third goal and, it was great for John to get a couple today. He's, you know, he's come back from injury and he's sort of slowly getting back to where we want him to. So hopefully the goals tonight will, will help him. What did you think, Leon? Two big complaints from Aberdeen fans, I guess. A, about the goal. B, about the challenge on Ferguson. Yeah, I think, rightly, they should, they should feel aggrieved in, in terms of those decisions. Um, tough ones, perhaps, to... To get right for the referee, how quickly I think the turnover from Celtic was going for that third goal, um, but undoubtedly there's you know an infringement that affects David Bates really making any sort of challenge to win the ball. Could he have been a bit cuter or, or you know drawn the attention of the referee closer towards it, perhaps? But these are the moments in football that are fine margins. I think there was one was it in the first half that the um, Celtic goal was disallowed and there was debate over whether it was offside or um, and it was disallowed you know so you could probably look at these incidents and perhaps say that they've 
evened themselves out over the course. And the penalty one for me, I think, could have been given, similarly to the one that, that Lewis Ferguson had a claim at the weekend um, in the box again, and, and the penalty wasn't awarded. So these are the moments that I think, you know, maybe Aberdeen go away and look at it and go, you know, are we too naive to think that you can rely on the officials to get every decision right? Could they have been a bit smarter in terms of the protests and, and how they defended that situation? But to get themselves back in the game, Aberdeen, you know, 2-2, two, two, and within a minute, um, you're back down 3-2. An incredible response from Celtic. You would you would need to add um, mm. energy, enthusiasm. They can't do anything about the referee not making that call. Um, they get the, adv- the advantage, and they certainly took full advantage of it, and it, you know, gave them three points. What did you make, Craig, of those two important calls? I think the um, the third goal, the winning goal, was um, yeah. Barter was was offside. I mean, with VAR, it would be very clear. We don't have that. Obviously, it was close, but he was offside and also um, impeded Bates. Um, I think Bates has got to be stronger. Move him out. <laughs> move him out of the way, maybe, uh, or or um, it may be a little bit cuter in terms of getting the, the making free, it making it more obvious to the ref. Yeah, getting the, getting the free kick. Um, as Leanne touched on, though, I mean. When, when you score a goal, the next five, ten minutes are crucial you know, to allow Celtic obviously to go straight up the park virtually and, and get that would be disappointing for Stephen Glass and Aberdeen. Could have they had a penalty in terms of O'Reilly jumping into uh, Lewis Ferguson with no um, eye on the ball? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think they could also get the, the penalty for that. So look, Aberdeen will feel um, hard done by for sure. Uh, but again, Celtic start the way that you, you expect. They, they get their two-goal lead. Um, you know, Aberdeen showed, I, I guess, a weakness in terms of defending set pieces. You know, they were two set plays, obviously, that, that got the, the two goals and got Aberdeen back into the game. Mm. So, well, it's a little, a little bit unlucky. But at the same time, when, when Celtic start the way they do, they put the energy in, um, they play that high tempo, they get their goals. You can't say you can't say it's unlucky that they then go and win the game of football. Mm. Um you know, it's a it's a, it's a trend that we've seen sort of like throughout the the last few months, Rob. Yeah, and uh, that's what champions do. If Celtic indeed are to go on to become champions, um, they find a way of winning. Let's talk to Regan. Hi, Regan. Hey, Rob, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Yourself? I'm doing well, thank you, Rob. Hi. What what did I, you what did you think about last night? I thought it was a great. I, I, I thought I thought it was a great first half for Celtic. I thought it was a real Rob. I thought uh, was outstanding again, Rob. I just think, I just hope that Celtic can uh, uh, put down that six million pounds and sign him up there. Yeah, I mean he is he is some talent. Uh, he is some asset to Celtic, and you can just sense him at the moment. I think Leanne getting back to to that form that he showed before he got injured as well. Yeah, I, I also think that when you look at him, he's a player that he gets it. He gets what it's about. You know, it's a it's a massive season that he's he's come into Celtic, really high expectations, a lot of pressure in terms of the the new squad that was put together, a new manager, probably a, a lot of nervous supporters at the beginning of the season. You know, what can you expect? But he 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 seems to be made for this environment, playing in front of big crowds. He absolutely thrives on it. Um, he's a real team player, lots of energy, real ability. Um, couple injuries couple of setbacks but he, he seems to hit the ground running as soon as he comes back in so that tells you he's got a really strong mentality in the way that he performs and I think he backs himself 100% uh, I, I just think in Scottish football this season we've, we're probably blessed to have some top talents that have come in Craig and, and you'll probably agree that you know at times we we get ourselves caught up in the moment but you can sit back at times and have a full appreciation of a real talent and wingers like that yeah, are, are yeah. a dying breed you know just 
and I tell you what, I didn't I didn't like playing against the good wingers. Yeah. Uh, it was horrible for the for a defender. Backtracking, trying to get the feet moving. During the right back years. Oh my god. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's great, obviously, because uh, you know the, the, the wide play, the wingers, uh, those attacking players. It's entertainment, isn't it? And that's what you know the, the fans want to see. And you know, in Jota and the Barda. Um, you know, obviously you got Forrest as well. Like these are very exciting attacking players. Uh, Jota um, not only does it with the ball, I think he does it without the ball in terms mm-hmm. of. So he's really adapted to the way that the expectation of Celtic without the ball is very important. Uh, and he comes in and again he puts himself in positions to to score goals, whether that be inside that back post or whether it mm-hmm. be through his own individual play. Uh, he has that in his locker as well. Even a third goal. I mean, if he catches it well. Goalkeeper might make a save. He hits it into the ground, mm. which is actually a benefit. Yeah. He just he, he seems to make the right the right decisions majority of the time, and I think he's been a he's been an excellent signing for Celtic. What they seem to have done really well uh, to Celtic is is um, get themselves out of difficult injury situations when they've mm. been minus key players. I mean, when Kyogo was injured for the second time. Um, I guess we were thinking, right, this is this is a major test now. But yeah. we're, we're at the stage where we've almost forgotten about Kyogo till he comes back. Because you look at that was Jota getting to ten goals last night, um, Abada fourteen, th- those two playing on the wings, yeah. uh, and Kyogo, of course, you know, goodness knows how many he'd have by now. He got to sixteen before he was injured. Uh, they just seem to find find a way of you know. Well, it's it's about strength of squad, isn't it? Absolutely, it's it's one hundred percent down to recruitment, but. It, there's been a thought process behind that recruitment. It's not just bringing players for the sake of bringing in players. Uh, it's bringing in players that specifically fit a system and a type of play that fits your identity, that can carry out the, the needs and responsibilities of the team. So um, that's a credit to Ange Postecoglou, you know, to identify the players that he certainly has brought in during his time. But also, the I think, the key players that you can never get away from is the likes of your Callum McGregor, your Tom Rogic coming, you know, in this season, really stepping up a gear. For me, he is in a different level, you know, from probably yeah. going back a number of years now to say that Tom Rogic has played as well as that, adding goals to his game. But guys like Matt O'Reilly coming in that are almost like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like for like for Rogic, but very similar. You know, you've got that left side, you've got that balance, you've got the, the strength and depth to the squad that if somebody is missing there's a key replacement there that comes in and does an almost like-for-like job. Then you've got guys like Giamakis that perhaps didn't fit the bill completely, but has gone away and and looked at what he needs to do to get a starting jersey or when called upon to be able to do a job for the team, and he's managed to step up and do that as well. Um, It's been an incredible turnaround, I would need to say, at Celtic, and probably something that, you know, even me as an aspiring coach, stroke manager, going through that licensing um, part of your career just now, that's a hell of a job to go and execute in such a short space of time. And Regan, the, the, all, all these signings, all these signings, they've been so successful, but one of the key elements, I guess, is that, that they've all hit the ground running, haven't they? Oh, they definitely have, Rob. I've got a question for Craig and Leanne. Yeah. The question, the question I've got for these guys is, someone like David Trumbull, who is doing well for Scotland and Celtic, I just want to know how did David Trumbull get back in that squad because of it. So much competition. You get Rogan coming back. You can beat on. You can do the the as well. You've got so many options there. Yeah, no, I, I agree, uh, Regan. I, I I just feel that. Again, though, as a football club, if you want to be a successful football team, um, you you need that depth um, 
to your squad because, okay, yeah, starting 11s can go on and win certain matches, but they don't win the, the title come the end of the season. You need you need the whole group to be able to play their play their part. And um, look, Turnbull, although he has been uh, missing due to injury, is a, is a big part, I think, of, of what makes Celtic tick. Uh, but in terms of, you know, the players that have basically, you know, stood up while, while he's been out, we've touched on Rogic and how impressive he's been this season. O'Reilly, uh, as we've touched on also, you know, hitting the ground running, which is um, which is great when you're a new signing at any football club. McGregor, um, you know, just I, I guess that desire, hunger, leadership that I think has just flowed through the team. Um, but Turnbull will get back in and get his games because there's there's still enough, there's enough games throughout the rest of the season where, you know, Ange will need to play about with his squad and, and maybe make a change or freshen things up. That's the beauty of having a deep squad. Before he got injured, he was a stick on to play, wasn't he, <laughs> David Turnbull? Yeah, he was, uh, it's, in, it's incredible how things can quickly yeah. change. I mean, I was speaking, John Hartson was on the show Tuesday, and I was sort of saying to him, I was saying, if, if everyone was fit for Celtic, do you think, what do you think about McGregor, Rogic, Hatate as your midfield three, Abada and Jota either side of Kyogo uh, as your front three? And, and, I think John agreed that that's probably that would probably be the first choice. But but you go through the midfield, not playing, beat on McCarthy, Idiguchi, Turnbull, uh, and in terms of strikers, Forrest, Johnston, Maeda, and Jakumakis. I mean, that's a squad. It is. It, it, that's exactly what you need, though, if you're going to go and win a title, you know, and you're going to go and follow up with perhaps another cup. Um, Rogic, Atati, and, and Callum McGregor would, I think, be my pick of three the now in that Celtic midfield I think it's really hard to displace any of them but I think David Turnbull he is only 22 years old so I think for David Turnbull this might be a really key phase in his development now coming to Celtic he, he had to bide his time when he first arrived he then had a really good run in the team he said a setback in terms of the injury but I think when you look at that, the physical demands of what has been placed on those Celtic players now if David Turnbull can go and take his game to another level in terms of his training, getting back into the team and finding another string to his bow because he's a super talented player. He probably is described as a bit of a Rolls Royce at times in midfield. But I think if you look at Tom Rogic, for example, who was maybe similar, but you look at the work rate of Rogic now this season and what's been asked him, that box-to-box, getting more goals, different types of goals, I think you could actually get an even better David mm. Turnbull. But I just think as well, uh, Regan, we're, we're quite quick in Scotland, right? So, for example, you had the Patterson situation, not playing games. Obviously, why is he not playing instead of Tavernier? Yeah. Not happy, the player has to go. The same thing in terms of, you know, Juranovic coming in and really bossing that 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 right fullback position now. Obviously, he's a fantastic player. Um, yet, you know, Ralston, or he's not playing now, who had a fantastic start to the season and done a great job for Celtic. He, he'll want to leave. And like, for me, like I said, we're very quick to come to that conclusion. Whereas Ange Postacoglu, um, you know, Stephen Gerrard, then Giovanni Van Broncos, that's what they're desperate to have. They're desperate to have two top players competing for every position. Um, and it's their job to manage that, to make sure that those players are happy and have bought into um, the, the project, yeah, the, the, that is to try and go and win trophies. I just think that you were very quick when, when someone's not playing. It's I mean, like, oh, he's going to want to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but why? If he's in a good environment... Mm-hmm. And he's going to be involved and has a chance of winning trophies. They're not going to be. I want to leave. And, and you see how quickly football changes. David Turnbull's, you mentioned Rob, was probably you know one of the first names in the team sheet not too long ago. But 
he then yeah. gets injured he's out the team it gives somebody else an opportunity they come in and it's their jersey to hold on to but that can change whether through injury performance just that result perhaps that you know or the fact that the energy levels are <laughs> on a different mm. level just now. So how long can these players that are, are almost a, a shoe-in for a start every game keep that up? Because I think it perhaps takes you a wee bit longer than maybe six or seven months just to get everybody at that same level. I was just looking at results today, Regan, and uh, Celtic haven't lost a domestic game since mid-September. Uh, and the only two games of any sort that they've lost in that time span uh, was the two games against against Bayer Leverkusen. It's been incredible, isn't it, when you consider that stuttering start to the season? Oh, definitely, Rob. I think the, 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 the important thing for Celtic is that they've managed it so well. Uh, I just want to ask Craig something. Yeah. See in terms of the points of conquest, Craig, mm-hmm. I know people are talking about the Celtic, the Celtic players that could possibly do moving on to you but do you think as Ponce de Congo is a man that would uh, do a bring the noise and walk out of Celtic if he gets a, be- a better opportunity because because he's only got 12 months on his contract so do you think if he does well then a club could possibly be, be in for him because they could say well what well, 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 can he's done for the first 12 months uh, look, I, I believe that, that Ange feels as if at the moment at Celtic there, there's a really good project um, in, in terms of you know, rebuilding a football club, let's be honest, from, the, from where they were at the start of the season to, to be in the position that they're in, which is top of the league and, and obviously looking to try and uh, win, win the title. Uh, he's turned the club around very quickly, I think a lot quicker than, than a lot of people anticipated. I, I don't expect Ange to be, um, you know... Wand, uh, his eyes wandering or looking at other jobs at this moment in time. But at the end of the day, Regan, if he's successful and and, and, and does produce uh, and continue to produce uh, at Celtic Football Club, then of course there will be other opportunities uh, at a later stage that will um, that will produce themselves. And at, at that stage, if it's two or three years down, down the line and there's another opportunity, um, he's an ambitious coach. He wants to continue to uh, to drive himself and, and work at the very highest level. And right now, he's he's got that opportunity with Celtic. But if it comes out on the back of a lot of success, can he go to the Premier League? Of course, he can. Regan, thanks for your call. Good, good to have you on the show as, as ever. Um, and I guess that's just what comes with success, isn't it? If you're a player, uh, they're going to be clubs uh, predators uh, looking to sign you on, move you on. And if you're a manager, exactly the same thing. And uh, anyone thinking that what Ange Postecoglou has done in the last seven or eight months has gone unnoticed um, is uh, living in dreamland, I would say. One point between the top two, the football chat goes on. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. It is tight at the top. Uh, Rangers and Celtic pulling away from the rest in the Premiership. The gap continues to grow as they continue their private battle uh, for this big prize. Couldn't be bigger in terms of uh, what lies at the end of the rainbow this season in the Premiership. Is it going to be Celtic one point ahead at the moment? Is it going to be Rangers who've bounced back from that uh, old firm uh, thumping that they had at Celtic Park? Um, but they've beaten Hearts 5-0 Sunday. Last night they beat Hibs 2-0. Well, good performance. I think we continued um, 
the way we are playing uh, from from Sunday, and uh, I think the the beginning was really good. A lot of pressure on the opponent, a lot of uh, intensity in the game, which uh, gave us of of course the the penalty and the one nil. But uh, I think within ten minutes from the from the penalty uh, kick, I think we created one or two chances to uh, to make the two nil already. But uh, yeah, I was happy with the overall performance. You know, we we kept pushing for for the second goal and which came in the second half. But uh, yeah, I think overall performance was uh, was really good. Cheers, old pal Craig Moore on the show tonight. Uh, Leanne Crichton as well. Rob McLean with you uh, for a Thursday evening, and we've got Craig uh, with us in Cumbernauld as well. Hi, Craig. Hello, Craig. Ah, uh, got you. Got you. Hi, yeah, hi. Got you now. Um, <laughs> don't know what's going on there. Um, yeah, listen, firstly, absolutely delighted with the result last night. I thought the last two games has been the response we needed after what was, in my opinion, our worst old firm performance since Pedro Cusina was in charge. Um, I think to bounce back by scoring seven, keeping two clean sheets against two sides who this season have already caused us problems. Um, you know, it makes it all the better. Um, and I've never seen us look so comfortable in a, in a game against Hibs um, what more away in, in a few years now. You know, this season already when we've played them, there's been one goal that's been the difference and it's been very tight affairs. I felt yesterday it was two, but it could have been more. Probably should have been. We had a couple of chances where, you know, convert them. Kent, again, I think he needs to work in his finesse because he keeps on getting it just beyond the post instead of inside it. <laughs> just curl it inside um, it, please. <laughs> which is quite frustrating. But, um, you know, I think overall that's great. The issue, of course, is that because we have given Celtic the initiative and the way they're playing, I'm looking going, you know, between now and the old firm game, I mean, well, for us, we need to make sure we replicate our form on the road. Ironically enough, our away games, it's all about Tayside because it's Dundee United, St. Johnson and Dundee. Um, but I think, uh, I just look at it and go, we are probably going to have to take four points off Celtic to, to clinch the title because even if we beat them at Ibrox, there'll be a fourth old firm which, assuming they don't drop points and we don't, would mean as long as they won that, they would then just go back on top again. So it is nip and tuck just now. There was a moment last night when we scored and then Aberdeen went to each that you thought, oh, maybe. Were your hopes up, Craig? <laughs> For about 40 seconds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was about then, it. Yeah, you know, like, well, you know what it's like on days like that, you get the, the notification set. So when that ping comes through and you go, <laughs> oh, Hold on, there's a goal. And, you know, great, they went three two. But uh, it it does make it. You know, listen for neutrals. It's highly exciting for you know somebody like me. It's uh, incredibly nerve wracking. But we just need to keep plumbing forward and and getting results because I don't see Celtic dropping points. You know, maybe when they go to Easter Road, or I'm hoping actually that their hoodoo up at Livingston continues because I know they've got to go away there again. So mm. my hope is that that's where. You know, David Martindale's side will come in and do us a wee favour. Um, they could have dropped points last night. I mean, there were a couple of debatable decisions. We spoke about them earlier on in the show. A couple of decisions that could have gone against them. And there, were, and there was the penalty of Liam Boyce at Tynecastle, wasn't there, the other week, that came off the inside of the post. If that goes in, and maybe there were dropped points uh, at that stage, Craig Moore. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I think... Celtic's game plan, you, you can see it's very, very clear. Um, it, it's high energy. It's looking to, to blow their opponents away. 
uh, in terms of that tempo intensity within the first half. And you know, a lot of the time they go go and get those goals. Then the goals change games. There's no doubt about that. But Aberdeen did have a have a crack and did come back and probably could feel a little bit unlucky. Um, yeah, it's going to. I still think there's a there's a twist and, and turn between now and the end of the season. The next four games are really really important because I think if you know both teams were to pick up maximum points, Rob, then you start getting down to that last block of of eight matches, and I'm sure then the belief. And I've been in this position. I go back to 2002, 2003, where it, it ended up being decided on goal difference. You get down to those last eight matches, and you can get that belief that. Not only are you going to go and win that match, you're going to buy, win it by a certain amount of goals. Uh, now, I've said it's not going to be won by goals mm. uh, this season. I don't believe it will be, but these next four games are crucial. And then the last eight, oh, you know, mm. that's when I think we will see a little twist or turn, Leanne. Does Europe confuse the situation for, for Celtic and Rangers, these games coming up? Big, especially for Rangers, Borussia Dortmund. These are, these are big games, aren't they, if you, if you look at them in terms of profile? Maybe, maybe, but I'd interest as well, Craig. In terms of squad, just now, do you think Rangers in their squad is strong enough for Europe and for for the running that's that's ahead? I think it's taken a hit. Oh, sorry, I thought you were asking me. Yeah, either Craig, Craig, either yeah, no, Craig go, can go for it. I'm mean, in sort of yours, Craig. Pressure buzzer. <laughs> um, well, I think um, well, I think we are. I think in terms of squad dates, we've got we've got an awful lot there. I think, however, you do. You know, we've seen the last couple of games that the importance of somebody like Alfredo Morelos and his fitness continuing and staying up. You know that you know what he does that I think Eaton and Ruth don't do often enough is he goes after the game too often. Eaton and Ruth are a bit passive and almost wait for the game to come to them. Whereas he's linking it up, he's making things happen himself and then getting in areas. Um, so he's he's crucially important, and if we can keep him fit, I think it's good. Look, the fixture list is going to get congested. You know, we've got midweek weekend games now, basically, that fin out at the end of the season, as it were, and obviously the cup throws that in. I'd expect on the, you know, Sunday that we'll play a markedly different squad, maybe give somebody like Alex Lowry another run out. Um, Aaron Ramsey debut, maybe? Yeah, well, listen, the thing is as well, what I would say, I wouldn't change it because we have waited, Rangers fans have waited well over a decade to get a big, big European fixture like this under the lights against a side like Dortmund. And that's with no disrespect to the Portos or the Benficas that we've played, but Dortmund is, is a step up. They are a Champions League team. They've just ended up in this situation this season. But for me, I'm looking forward to it. I don't expect us to win, but if we can go and just give a good account of ourselves, I'd be happy enough. And it doesn't deflect away from the main business Craig Moore of, of of trying to get this title. I think it's a great distraction, if I'm honest. Uh, again, be, being that player, and sometimes the uh, you know the different competition, whether it be the cup or, or certainly Europe, it, they 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 were great distraction. Um, like I says, the league will look after itself over the course of the season. Uh, I mean, as a player, who who wouldn't want to be involved in you know playing top matches? Borussia Dortmund. You know, we've had some some great challenges uh, and games against Borussia Dortmund Dortmund over the years. Always been tight, always been close. It's a great stadium to go and play in. So look, you want you want the players and the club to um, to to have those big nights, and then you dust yourself down, Rob, and you come back and you you, you play that league game, and your focus shifts to that to that league game. But you talk about squad depth, Leanne. Um, we, we've Rangers have got such huge depth 
in the midfield. I think it's nine, mm-hmm. nine, ten midfield players. That when, when you go through the, oh, I can name them all, but you, you even know, with Juninho and Bakuna gone, uh, even with Bakuna gone, obviously because Ram, Ramsey comes in, but there's there's nine, ten midfielders in there, light in the wider areas defensively, um, and, and obviously up top when 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 Morelos isn't starting for you, you go okay. Mm-hmm. So where 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 are the goals going to come from? Um, so it is it is a test. And every game, you know, brings its its own challenge. Um, but like I says, you need to you need to be at it. It's a good test for him, a really good test for him. Um, and I, I would have liked to see him strengthen in other areas in the window, if I'll if I'll be honest. In the last two or three windows, what have Rangers really spent? They've not mm. wanted to spend a transfer on a player, have they? No, I think that is the only probably debate just now is that when you look at the levels that Celtic have been through the gears. Um, to me, they look like just now they've got the strongest squad. Um, and I mean that just because across the board, you've got players that are scoring goals from all different positions. Um, everybody's chipping in. When a player drops out, another player comes in. And <clears throat> Sorry, I do believe that they've probably had <laughs> those moments that can define a season, like the, the late winner against Dundee United, yeah. the Liam Boyce penalty against Hearts, Rob, as you mentioned, um, and then the goal last night that we can debate. I think Rangers have, have probably had bits of that as well I think there'll be twists and turns along the way but I feel just now if you took Morelis out of that Rangers team mm. again where does it leave them is there an adequate does, replacement for Morelis I don't in think, the squad I don't think there is right now that, that gives you that same performance and those goals and those key moments I think the way that, that Rangers plays is the way that Morelis plays and he has a real influence on that team and then I think you've got other players that you know there's positions that's probably up for question now in terms of that left fullback position Barisic has dropped out Bassi's come in probably done really well you've only really got Tavernier now in that right hand side yeah, yeah. so if there was a couple of injuries or moments with these other games um, does it then put Rangers in a predicament but what I would say as a player all you want to do is play games nothing prepares you more for a game than a game you know three or four days before you want to just rest recover and go again and you know Craig's experienced that I've experienced at European football it's the absolute top draw stage that you want to be playing on Thanks to both Craig's uh, one for his excellent answer in the studio <laughs> and one for his uh, brilliant question on the phone it's the Go Radio Football Show we are back for part two after the news at six the Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. Let's go! The football is frantic at the moment. It just keeps on coming. We're just a couple of days away uh, from the Scottish Cup fifth round, otherwise known as the last 16, otherwise known as playing for a place in the quarterfinals. Uh, it all starts with Hearts against Livingston, three o'clock Saturday, Motherwell Aberdeen, Park Thistle Dundee United, St Mirren against Kelty Hearts. I wonder if they've got another shock in them. Uh, Kevin Thompson's team, Annan against Rangers. That's uh, half past five on Saturday. And then Sunday for our Broth Hibs. Has that one got cup shock written all over it? Uh, it might well do. 12.30 uh, for that one. Celtic against Wraith Rovers. Is it four o'clock and then? Uh, Peter Head against Dundee in the Blue Tune up in the northeast. Uh, will there be a shock there uh, if Peter Head can take the scalp of Dundee, who of course uh, came back from a goal down at Tynecastle and won last night? We'll talk about that in this next hour as well. Going back to the Annan Rangers game, uh, a fair chance you would imagine 
that uh, Aaron, Ramsey, uh, Aaron Ramsey will make his first start. I've talked about his debut. Of course, he's made his debut already, uh, but he might make his first start in that Scottish Cup tie at the weekend. And who is assisting him on settling into Glasgow? Well, it's the former Celtic midfielder and, of course, fellow countryman, uh, Joe Ledley. And Joe's been talking to our own Joe Hendry talking of representing your country we've a new Welshman up here in Scotland with Aaron Ramsey at Rangers what are your thoughts on that move yeah I'm over the moon for him you know I I speak to him nearly every day now um, since that move and you know I'm trying to help him um, settle in you know try and help him where to move where, where it's best for him you know obviously his, his wife and kids are, are still in Cardiff and will be going back and forth and I've kept in touch with Aaron for since you know the day I've met him, you know, obviously playing with each other a lot as, as a teammate with with international level, and I'm just happy for him to be to be happy and and play, and I think that's the most important thing for him. And um, you know, don't get me wrong, it's a great club, it's a massive club to to be at, and the expectation level will be high, which is what he's used to being for most of his career. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to. It. I'm excited for him, and like I said, the most important as a selfish point of view is to have him fit for Wales. That's just a taster of Joe's chat with Joe. Joe and Joe together <laughs> there. Um, more from uh, Joe Ledley uh, on tomorrow night's show. Uh, Craig Moore, can you believe it? A former Celtic player helping a Rangers player to settle in in Glasgow. I just hope he's guiding him in the in the right way. Yeah, that's and you said, out in there, oh, absolutely, <laughs> sending him to the right places. Uh, don't want to get caught the wrong. Nah, not like it says. I mean, I, I think again we touched at the start about football being football, and look, they're two mates, obviously. So mm. you know, Joe wanting to to certainly uh, try and help Aaron settle as quick as he possibly can. Uh, understands the level that he's played at, and look, he'll, he'll take it in his stride. But that local knowledge, Leanne, is always handy, isn't it? Absolutely. I think it would probably be more the places not to go to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Which is no, a lengthy list. <laughs> yeah, I think it's nice. I think, if anything, that's the, the type of message that you want to send, isn't it? It doesn't mm. matter what team you've played for or whatever. It's your friends and they're going to join a new team and a new city and um, need to settle in quickly. And, and Joe will certainly understand the importance of that. He might not want him to settle in too quickly and go on no. too well right enough yeah. and I wonder if they'll speak every day um, once Aaron gets his feet under the table but no it's nice it's, it's good to hear that those are the, the sorts of relationships that um, you get to hear Let's talk to Gary who's a columnist uh, for Rangers Review Hi Gary Hi Rob Are you looking forward to an, a first start for Aaron Ramsey uh, uh, on Saturday? Yeah I, I think that's exactly what's needed at the moment you know, it was it's been really exciting to see him coming on the last two games. Uh, you can see clearly struggling for a bit of match fitness. The odd touch here and there has looked really impressive. It'd be really great to see him out for about 60 minutes or so and uh, start to see him really making an impact on the team. I think everyone wants to see that. Uh, we'd, we'd Craig on earlier on, another Rangers fan, saying that last night was pretty much scare-free. Was that the way you saw it? I'd say so. Uh, yeah, not as comprehensive as Sunday, but it didn't need to be really. Uh, I think we we faded in and out of the game. There were periods where we were really strong at times, and and parts it could have been a bit better, you know. But get, getting that early goal was was really crucial, uh, and then it, it felt for a minute we, we scored at that similar point as what we did in, against Hearts on Sunday, and you're thinking for a minute, right? Are we going to push on the same way we did then? And and we didn't quite, but you know it's not always going to be that way. So 
if, if you'd offered me two two wins, two clean sheets, and seven goals this time last week, <laughs> I would yeah. put your hand up for do it. You f- so really happy with it. Do you, so do you feel as if you've uh, Rangers have exercised the demons of what went wrong at Celtic Park? I, I, I think there's certainly no heads went down anyway. You know, I, I think there sounds like there's been a lot of honest words said. There's been uh, you know, heads cracked together really and they certainly look out of the funk that they were sort of getting themselves into where my concern slightly lies is uh, games away from Ibrooks. You know, it, it's all been fairly comprehensive at Ibrooks. I don't think we can see that goal at Ibrooks under Geo. Uh, it's it's the away games mm. where, where we look a bit shapeless and, and a bit too passive at the moment. So I'll, I'll kind of hold back comment until we see how we start performing in them. I know you want to speak about Alfredo Morelos um, and we'll get the thoughts of Leanne and Craig here about that as well. But this was Giovanni Van Bronckhorst last night. Of course, he scored again. Um, and uh, what a what a run of scoring uh, form he's been in. It's now nine in his last 11 games, Alfredo Morelos. And obviously he's come back with a bang after international duties. Now on 16 for the season and certainly uh, in great form over these last couple of games. Well, he had it, of course. He scored three goals, three important goals. And um, I think also the way of playing, you can see we can uh, use him uh, also as a target man. You know, we have we have threats from the wings, but uh, especially when you have Morelos back, you can uh, play him the ball and, and get players uh, around him uh, to continue to play. And especially the switch of play with him, what today was really excellent. Uh, which gave uh, gave Ryan Kent some uh, some good one against one uh, opportunities and uh, and of course you know what I said uh, his his threat uh, in in the box is always always there. How big a player Gary is Alfredo Morelos for Rangers? Yeah, you can't really understate it. I think when he when he's on his game, he's, he's as good as any player in the league. He's as good as any striker Rangers have had in in you know the last twenty years uh, for me and. I think I think what we're seeing now is is the best of both worlds off him. So you you know what what you had in the earlier years, uh, a, a really good striker, a, a bully of defenders, scoring goals as well. What you saw under Gerard the last year or so, he was dropping back more involved with the with the build up play and linking things up. And I think now un, under Gio and you know especially in the last couple of games, what you're seeing is both. You know it can drop back when you need it. it he can link up with the midfield, play longer passes out to the wings, keep things moving, but he's got that ruthless streak to him in the box as well, and he can still take on defenders and look to bully them. So it's, it's I think we're potentially seeing the absolute best of him now. I know we touched on this in the first hour, Craig, but is there a, an over-dependence potentially on Alfredo Morales? Would it be a worry for you that he got injured? Yes, yes. Um, for me, he's a, he's a clear top striker um, for Rangers. Uh, he's, I think he's thrived under Giovanni in terms of um, you know the way that he's played. Obviously, he's got those goals and, and that gives him the confidence. But I think uh, you know staying in, in more central areas, he's still being allowed to drop deep and, and link up. But when he gets it into those wider areas, there's a bit of urgency for him to get into the box because he knows that's where his goals are coming from. Um, do Rangers have a, have a striker like him? No, uh, in terms of uh, those... Goals that, and it's big goals. It's it's not it's not goals. It's big goals he scores. You know, when when Rangers needed to to bounce back after a really poor old firm match, 
Morelos back, two goals. Bang, no, bang. And not just his goals, but the performance. Performance as well. And the type of goals now that he's scoring. So even the, the second goal against Hibbs there. It's back to that striker that's actually not thinking. Positive run, gets him behind defence, bang. Um, so he, you can see that he's in form. Very hard to replace Rom. And has a big effect, Leanne, on players round about him, clearly. He does, yeah. I think he, he links the team. I perhaps mentioned it earlier on and Giovanni van Bronckhorst mentioned that he brings other players into the game, you know, the way that he links it, but then he is that instinctive striker in the box. And, you know, I would, I would agree with what Gary says. It's perhaps the issue when you go away from Ibrooks is those performances where, you know, the pitch maybe isn't in terms of the dimensions the same. You don't get that same space. Teams drop in, they're a bit deeper. Um, they protect things more centrally. Whereas I think it suits Alfredo Morelos to go and exploit spaces that, that teams leave. You saw that when he's running his movement last night. Um, with that second goal I thought it was a brilliant finish almost burst the net but it was that movement in behind taking it off the shoulder um, and it's that one strike whereas I think in other games it, he gets frustrated when he doesn't get that same time in, in movements and in spaces as I say to go and exploit but I think it, it would be a concern if Rangers were to lose him I touched on that earlier on mm -hmm. and I think Celtic if you're looking at that running and that title race Celtic have shown just now that they've they've almost got that like-for-like like replacement and if it's not the, the central striker that's scoring goals, there's goals coming from wide areas um, in different types of positions within the midfield area and I don't think Rangers have, have got those same numbers just now without Alfredo Morelos in the team. Would that be a concern, Gary, for you? I, I think it is. Um, it, it's strange how quickly it changes mm. because it, was, it wasn't long ago it was Rangers who had the two players in every position and yeah. Yeah. could could sort of seamlessly rotate and bring players in and out constantly. And we're and getting goals from right around the squad as well. Yeah, it doesn't quite feel like that's there just now. And, and, and we are back to that point where Morelos is so important. I, th I think there, there will need to be some stepping up in, in the next few weeks. What I don't think is that we've got that replacement striker. Um, I don't think Rufferetton really fit, fit the bill for what Morelos does in replacing him when he's not there. So that that is absolutely key to be keeping him fit, um, and and I do think it's a, a complete leveler though. Uh, if, if he's if he's fit till the end of the season, then Rangers have a a really good fighting chance of of getting back on top. Has Ryan Jack reminded us, Craig Moore, um, about his importance and what he does to to a Rangers team? We've just seen him uh, very briefly, of course, in his comeback. He's out injured again, but it's according to. Giovanni van Bronckhorst course, is not not serious. I'm not sure whether he will be risked or needed mm -hmm. on the in the cup game at the weekend. But do you see him as a big figure if Rangers are going to get this title? Did, did he pick up that injury for the one that wasn't a free kick? Is that the one? That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Um, no, anyway, he missed obviously last night. But you're, Ryan Jack for me, um, he, he's he's a different player. There's there's nothing like him at, uh, at Ibrox. You know, Kamara, uh, Steve Davis, Lundstrom, who who maybe play those deeper roles and not Ryan Jack. Ryan Jack screens that back four. He um, he does the ugly job well, uh, which is breaking down play. Um, and, he, and he gets Rangers playing. And at the same time, I, I think he also has goals to his game. He's a driving force. He's a leader. Um, so, look, he's been, a, he's been a big miss to Rangers. Uh, and I think him in that team, Rangers look a, a, a far stronger side, in my opinion. His, his challenges with injuries has been a tough one. You know, it's been a little bit stop-start for him. But like I said, Ryan Jack, there's not another player like him at the football club. So that's why I believe he is really, really important to the title running.
But I guess, Gary, there are there are more choices. I mean, we speak about Alfredo Morelos, um, who is kind of unique in terms of strikers within that Rangers squad. But in midfield, do you feel as if you've got more options? There is more options. I, I think what it's. I think what the key is is finding the best roles for everyone. So, it, it, you know, the, these were all midfielders that were used to the sort of flatter midfield three under Gerrard, and now you've got a six and then an eight and then a ten. So, uh, for example, I'm not really sure where someone like Kamara fits in. I think he's 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 been pinballed around him a bit, and I'm, I'm not sure anyone knows what one of his is, is his best position. Uh, Jack fits into the six easily. He can go into the eight. Lundstrom as well is is coming back into some form and, and suddenly looks like he could be an important player for the rest of the season. So there are options there. I think it's about uh, nailing down how that three works at its best and that's where it's really not worked away from home recently. Giovanni Van Bronckhorst was asked uh, today on the back of last night's win against Hibs about the pressure on Rangers and the fact that there is very little, it seems, margin for error. The the the, the margin is for for both teams. I mean, it's it's only one point, so uh, but we have to make sure we we keep we keep on winning and uh, and 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 put the pressure on uh, on Celtic. I think the last two games were good, but uh, you know we have to continue. Now we have the the cup and uh, the uh, we're gonna play in Europe against Dortmund, and then after we pick. Uh, Pick up the the season uh, for the domestic league, but you know, all all, all uh, very um, very uh, happy with the, um, the the response we had uh, with with two big wins at home. He sounds a whole lot happier, doesn't he, Craig Moore? Um, I I just can't get out of my head the look on his face at Celtic Park as he saw uh, things collapse. Yeah, and look, all he's asked for in terms of, and rightfully so, was. You need to show me a response. The you know the the team, the players that, that were were involved in the last two matches. Show me a response, um, and that that result hurt you. And and I think look, I think he's got that. Obviously, the five nil result against Hearts was was a strong result, uh, and the way that Rangers needed to bounce back. They've them going on with a job and and got a comfortable win last night against Hibs. Um, it's easy when you're at big football clubs um, when results are going well. Everyone's patting you on the back and saying how great you are. Um, what a good player you are, what a great match. The test of character is when things aren't going. Uh, so Giovanni would be really, really pre- uh, pleased, Rob, with the response. And there was also pressure on Giovanni as well because mm. as a manager, that was, you know, you'd be really, really disappointed in terms of the way that your team played and you're you're the leader of that group. Mm. So it was really important that that bounce back happened. Um, but he'd be a lot happier and, and did sound a lot happier there, as you said. How close is this, Leon? I mean, the, the league table tells us it's a point <laughs> of a difference. But but in terms of actually picking a winner here, you couldn't. You couldn't possibly. You know, you would you would be silly, I think, to to go and put your neck on the line and and try and call it because I think there will be so many twists and turns along the way, and a lot of it might come down to who can keep the the strongest squad for the the longest period in time. But I think over the course, who can be the most consistent, and that's probably a, a throwaway, you know, comment and a bit cliche, but. Generally, that is what it's going to take. You know, there might be a couple of draws along the way, which can be a crisis for either side of the old firm when that happens. But the, the old firm games that have, have still to be played are, are going to be vitally important. I've got a question to both Gary and Craig, and it's, do you think that Rangers need a different, almost like a plan B to the way that they play? Um, I just thought watching the old firm last week, it was really predictable. And I know you can put it down to... Um, players are having an absolute off night in terms of performance levels but 
if, for example, you do lose an Alfredo Morelos, does that 4-3-3 system still work for Rangers? Craig first. Yeah, look, I, I think I think it does. I, I think the biggest uh, the biggest thing that needs to improve for, for Rangers is actually without the ball. I, I, I believe that the the way that they um work when when you know a team's building up and all that sort of stuff. And you look at that Celtic game in particular. Now I can't remember one time that Carter Vickers or Starfield were forced to go long. Mm-hmm. It was just easy possession. Uh, for me, you really need to look to press further up the field with your front three, uh, backed up. It starts from the front. Uh, and you look at, you, you know, you look across City and that's exactly what Celtic do. You know, without the ball, they hunt, they work, they press, they force errors. Uh, and that puts you in a better position. And I think the way that Rangers play in terms of the, the 4-3-3, I have no issues with that. I actually like the way that they're actually now playing with wingers that, to, to look to get that isolation. Mm-hmm. But the improvement for me needs to be without the ball. Let's get Gary's answer. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I agree with some of what Craig said there in terms of off the ball, and, and that's what was really key under Gerard and Rangers were a well-oiled machine under Gerard, and it's not quite transferring just now. I'd, I think most managers these days ha- have their one style of playing, and, and it always fits into that. So it, it's maybe small t- tweaks. I think Ruth needs someone playing right beside him. If Morelos is going to drop off, so it's about getting Aribo closer to him. I can't see he's bringing a second striker in, for example. Mm-hmm. So it, it it's slight tweaks within that four three three, but I, I I think that's likely going to be the generally the formation for the rest of the year. Just how how we how we adapt when things are going wrong. Gary, good to hear from you. Thank you. Cheers. All the best. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. And can I just say, you two were no help whatsoever in my time of need there. You were just looking across and smiling and enjoying my pain. Uh, Can you... Did you just do the, the traffic there, Rob? Can you let us know? Do you want, do you want, to, do you want to recap? Did I, did I miss it? No. <laughs> for, a while, for a while, everybody was missing it. Me uh, and Craig and I were just watching yeah, you squirm. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Not nice, but nice. Yeah. yeah I know. Oh, to be another side of the desk. Yeah. By the time we download the podcast, uh, we'll have all that edited down. It'll sound almost slick, almost, but not quite. Okay, back to the football news, breaking news. Uh, We have for you about a Scottish football manager who seems to be in line to get himself a new job. Uh, Sunderland have an agreement in place for Alex Neil. Remember his days at uh, Hamilton. Um, And he's he's been a manager at Norwich. He's been at Preston. And uh, he's been on your... TV screens a little bit lately, and he's going to be by the sounds of it. You'll, you'll be able to interpret that. Uh, what, what does that mean? Sunderland have an agreement in place for Alec Neil to become new manager. Does, does that mean he's the new manager? I'm, go- I'm going with his signs, yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what, what a what a great job for him. Eh? I mean, Sunderland are in a really good position in the in, in the league. Uh, they're obviously a club that uh, have, have huge following, um, big expectation. So it's a great great appointment, a great job, and. Was it Roy Keane was also in the running? Mm. So he's seen off a few as well to, to be able to nail that job. So well done and we wish him all the very best. couple of managers under pressure uh, in Scottish football at the moment. Leanne, is it fair to say that Sean Maloney is under pressure or is it too early to be talking in those terms? Just looking at, he won his first two games. 
scraped through against Cove Rangers in the Scottish Cup, uh, but they haven't won in six in the in the Premiership. Two points out of a possible eighteen, and they've lost at home to both Livingston and St Mirren. Has he got time on his side? I think he'll get. He will get time, um, but I think they'll. You know, there's got to be a bit of concern. The league position doesn't look great. The results don't look great. Um, I think there's, you know, a manager under pressure in the last place that you probably want to go just now as a way to our broth mm. at the weekend. I think that will be an absolute cracker of a tie. I'm sure it's one that that our broth will absolutely relish. Mm. They'll be hoping that the the wind is the way the wind can be in our broth because they absolutely thrive in those conditions oh. they know how to play it even on a calm day it's windy there isn't yeah, it yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely you can go up there at, at three o'clock in the afternoon it's perfect um but then i think by the time kickoff comes around you're you're contemplating the fact that waves might start to come over the the stand at some point so listen it could be a horrible night afternoon for um hibs up there but i think what they need is a response they need the the player group to respond and perform i just think that the, the probably caught between a rock and a hard place just now with Sean Maloney that he's trying to instill his philosophy and his identity on a group of players that can't quite execute perhaps what's been asked of them and that and that might sound harsh but I think at times you need to play your strengths and the games and the matches that I've watched Hibs play recently I don't think they play to their strengths um, and last night was just a, another one of those performances that was pretty lacklustre and, and they didn't really offer much and that's not what we could probably describe a, a hip side over the last number of years. They've always been able to cause teams problems and right now they're not doing that. They're learning some harsh lessons, uh, that's for sure. You know, as you touch on, Leanne, uh, you know, Maloney, obviously this this modern day coach that wants to play football a certain way and that's building up from the back and it's nice and, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure when he gets there, he'll be absolutely delighted. But in the meantime, um, the mistakes are actually leading to, to goals and you're having to mm. pick, pick the ball out of the back of the net, which is which is no fun at all. So at the moment, they're being punished uh, in terms of, um, you know, looking to play that you want, the way you want to play. But it's trying to find that balance, as Leanne says, you know. like Unfortunately, not everyone's got a team like Manchester City and, and are managed by by Pep Guardiola. It's like at some stage, you've got to realise the the players that you have and find the best way that is suited to, to the that group of players. The problem is the bar was set so mm. high last season, wasn't it, with a third-place finish, European football. Uh, but what you can't forget, of course, is that, that they, they sold their best player. They sold 14-goal Martin Boyle mm. uh, during the window and uh, and he hasn't been replaced. Yeah, no, that's right. And but what I do think is that they, they have still, they've still got Kevin Nisbet, who's another player that was attracting a lot of attention not too long ago. Hibs didn't want to let him go. They held on to him. And for me, when I watch Hibs play now, they don't give Kevin Nisbet enough service, service into the box um, and enough good service. I think last weekend the stats were like, I don't know, something crazy, like 36 crosses or something. But how many of them were actually in a, an area that Kevin Nisbet could go and attack? Or how many of the crosses actually had Kevin Nisbet in the box? Because more often than not, he was the player that was dropping into his own half to build the play, to then try and get himself back into the box. So... Um, Losing Martin Boyle is a massive blow, um, but at the same time, you have to adapt if you're willing to accept that offer as a club and recognise that at some point you're you're going to lose your assets. You need to find a plan B, and I think that that plan B just now might not quite be the way that Sean Maloney wants to play football, but he might need to accept that that's what he's going to need to do in order to grind out results because he's an opposing manager's dream just now because actually, if you watch them game for game, I watched them against Livingston, 
the way that they lost goals centrally where they tried to build into the middle of the pitch Livingston caught on to that they changed the shape in the second half they went after them they turned them over and they were excellent in that transition and it was the exact same at the weekend the goal that they lost against St Mirren was a square ball from a throw in yep. into the middle of the pitch where St Mirren had set that trap waited for them to play it got after them aggressive, hungry win the ball back and it leads to a goal and I just think if you're not even going to learn from your previous mistakes you really are setting yourself up for an incredible failure but I, I like the appointment of Sean Maloney I think it was a a brave one a young new manager that you want to see getting a chance Stephen Glass is very similar at Aberdeen you don't want to see the same guys getting the same jobs and it just being that constant you know, cycle of managers that get the sack and they eventually get yeah. a, a job months later. So um, perhaps Hibs fans are just going to need to accept that they are where they are just now and it's a work in progress and Sean's going to need a bit of time. And what's the, what's the benchmark here, Rob? Because you look, you, Jack Ross had a had a run of probably, I think it was uh, no wins in nine or something like that and, and, and lost his job. And that was on the back of huge success, let's yeah, and be honest. And by the way, this is one as well. You look at Hearts just now sitting third in the team. I know they're pretty detached from second spot. Yeah. They're booed off the pitch last night. Yeah. That's a pressure in yeah, the capital yeah, as well, yeah, you know, for Hibs and Hearts to perform. So, you know, Hibs have got to be feeling that pressure because they are down in seventh and they're not winning games. Hearts have had an off night, um, well, probably the last couple of games in terms of the performance against Rangers and the mm. result. But it just shows you what fans expect. The Go Radio Football Show is not just big in Glasgow in the West; it's also big in Budapest, uh, which is where we find Kev, who's a Celtic fan. Hi, Kev. Hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. How are you? Very well. Yourself. Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Um, I loved that very professional traffic update earlier. <laughs> I must say. Yeah, a, a wow. Career for you if you ever need one. Well, I'm, I might, I might need a totally new career the way things are going uh, today. <laughs> um, how, how are you viewing uh, Celtic at the moment? I know, I know you didn't, you weren't able to catch last night's game, but just generally, uh, what are you thinking about about Celtic's title chances? Yeah, generally uh, very strong at the moment. I think since we've come back after the. The winter break, bedding the new players in over that period as well. The sides just come back and they've been flying in the, in the game since then. You know, you, you pick the, the Glasgow Derby and the game against Motherwell in the weekend. It's games that they'd pretty much won within the first half hour, 45 minutes. Um, and I think this is finally Ange beginning to get the team playing his way. Um, going out kind of full throttle, winning the game in the first half. Um which allows them to settle a bit more in the second half and play the game at a gentler pace. So, you know, right now, confidence must be very high within that squad and it's looking good for the remaining 12 games or so of the season. He was talking last night after the 3-2 win at Aberdeen about the, the great character that he has uh, in the players he's recruited. Well, it's been evident for quite a while. I mean, we haven't, I keep saying, we haven't had it easy. I know it's sort of the last couple of games... You know, we've won comfortably and I understand that, you know, that that's through our dominance of play. But, you know, we've had a lot of different kinds of challenges this year and I think a good sign for, for a team, the team's character when, you know, depending on the challenges thrown at them, they still find a way to, to, to win the game. And, you know, that we're going to need that because not every game is going to run smoothly, you know. We talk a lot about it, uh, Kev, on this show, uh, how incredible a title win this potentially could be for Celtic if they do manage to to hold off the Rangers challenge when you cast your mind back just six or seven months to where Celtic were at that point it would be phenomenal you know last season we ended up was it 25 points behind Rangers mm -hmm. which was, was an embarrassment um, the 
whole club was in disarray. It wasn't just the playing squad that was in disarray. The whole club was from top to bottom. Over the summer, it kind of looked like they were going to move in the right direction off the pitch with the appointment of Dominic Mackay. And then that's obviously kind of fallen by the wayside as well. And then Andy's come in. He's taken everything by the scruff of the neck. You can see he, it, you know, it's the whole DNA of the, the club now has kind of got his fingerprints all over it. The appointments that he's making behind the scenes and then you know, the players that he's bringing in. And this is probably something that maybe Craig might have a bit of insight on as well. He seems to be signing players that uh, it's not just for the footballing ability. It's the, the character and the personality as well that's coming in. He's, he's building a strong squad that's kind of full of winners and, and full of personality. Yeah, you're spot on. Um, he, he's big on. He's big on characters. He's big on players that um, feel as if they've got something to prove, if that makes sense. You know, he, he wants he wants players that are hungry, that are ambitious, yeah, but that might have been because they haven't performed the way that was expected. Uh, or they're they they're just desperate to go out and prove something, but it's all about it's all about character. And I think the great thing, uh, or the great job that Ange has done is, obviously we know the turnover that the the club has had. Uh, signed twelve to sixteen players uh, in this season, and to have them top of the the league is is an incredible performance. But you, you go through some of those signings and and the role that they're playing. You know, you look at Hart, solid, been, been a great signing. Juranovic comes in, absolute top draw. Carter Vickers. Very solid and has probably helped Starfield. You go through, obviously, Kyogo up top, you know, absolutely hit, hit the ground, running on fire. Wide areas, Jota, Abad. These are all players that have had absolute massive influence on Celtic to their starting 11 and then touch on the Rogiches and all that. Mm. That's, that's, that's really yeah. been a top, a top job to date in terms of getting that together and for them to be performing the way that they are. It's, I mean, it's not all recruitment, is it? It's the rejuvenation of, of Rogic has been spectacular, hasn't it? And then you look at Callum McGregor as well. I mean, just when you thought he couldn't actually go up any level, he he has done, I think, Leanne, as a player and also as a captain. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. I think, you know, he suffered last season, but albeit he, he still gave his all. He, he was still accountable. He was still there. He was still present. Um, and he carried probably the flack of what last season looked like for Celtic. Mm. But I think... It, Every player at some point in their career needs to to break loose almost and, and probably it's been a refreshing change for Callum McGregor. I think he's had a really brilliant opportunity at Celtic with the success that they've had and you know, operating under a captain like Scott Brown. He's probably taken the best bits of Scott Brown as a captain, taking his moments but then added to that his own personality and the way that he goes about it. And I think that was ever present at the end of the Old Firm game last week. Um, where you could see him almost calming the players at the full-time whistle and, and reiterating that they don't get carried away and that they compose themselves. I think maybe a season or so ago you would have seen a different reaction from Celtic um, with the types of characters that were on the pitch and um, that comes down to the way that Callum McGregor conducts himself. Then you've got the likes of Tom Rogic that you know probably felt hard done by for a period in time that was very much a not a fringe player, but he was a 70-minute player or he was a bench player, he was a 20-minute sub-appearance. Now he's, he's, he's a, a full-game player. He's all in. He's one of the main players, I think, for Celtic um, and has really kicked on to a different level. And that comes down to, yes, probably looking after the human being getting the best out of that person and recruiting and bringing in good characters that are driven and motivated to become better. Kev, is it going to happen? Yes. 
I think it will. Uh, I know Craig will probably disagree with that. Oh, I'm pulling all sorts but, of faces uh, in here, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I, I think it will. Um, you know, if you'd asked this before the turn of the year, probably not realistically. Mm. But now, I just think the transfer business that Celtic did in January has really taken the squad to a new level. Mm. For the first time all season, I think you had mentioned this, we've kind of got two players for every position and the quality is, is like for like. So you say if you take Rogic out, you're bringing in O'Reilly and you can't really drop either one of them because they're both playing at that high level. So I kind of feel it's, it's almost like everything's coming together at the right time. Um, so I've, I've got, a, got a lot of confidence going into these games, but, you know, anything can happen. And there is two Glasgow Derby still to go. They can go either way. Mm. It's going to be interesting. Sure is. Always good to have you on the show, Kev. Brilliant. Thank you. All the best. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. The Go Radio Football Show with the Taxi Centre. Save on your new taxi with exclusive discounts across Skoda, Toyota, Ford, Seat and more. And coming to the end of uh, Thursday's Go Radio Football Show, Barry Ferguson is back tomorrow with Simon Donnelly and Paul Cooney. Uh, live at five. Looking ahead to the weekend, looking ahead some, to some cracking Scottish cup ties. Uh, and sometimes when you talk about cup shocks, and I, I, I just can't take my eyes off the Arbroath Hibs game, uh, to be honest. Um, but, but sometimes when you talk too much about shock, it actually doesn't happen. But then in the last round, I think we all thought Kelty against St Johnston was a shock waiting to happen, <clears throat> and it duly did. Yeah, no, that was. That was one certainly that I think a lot of people had probably high hopes in, in terms of. Kelty's performance levels and where they were at um, and it's another brilliant opportunity for them going up against St Mirren but certainly the one for me Rob and, and I would agree is that our Broth Hibs game I just think it's got the around potential yeah I think out of all of them um, that's the one that, that certainly could be a shock but at the same time not a shock because our both mm. are, are flying high ah. and certainly their home form has, has been exceptional I think they're unbeaten throughout the, the course of the season so far up at Gayfield um, not a great place to travel to um, and as I mentioned the conditions can, can play a massive part in it I was doing my research this morning they lost their first championship game of the season at Gayfield against Inverness and they haven't lost since. They haven't yeah. lost at home since. Yeah, and I think so the, one game. I think lost, they've only lost four three. games in all competitions all yeah, season long. I mean, it's... The, the league, it's, it's incredible. Um, and then they, you know, they go and turn over Kilmarnock again mm. last week. Then they get that last minute equaliser last night. So there's a real feel good factor. There's players in that abroad side with a real belief that they can go and cause an upset. Mm. Uh, and there's no pressure on them at all. You know, because they are still the underdog. They're a division below. Um, they're not the team with the, the poor run of form and the no winning seven. And it, it's mm. starting to build. You know, you can see it. Um, but it's up to Hibs to, to go and respond. And certainly it's a tie. I'm sure that they'll be desperate to get through. It all seems to be going our broth's way because even <clears> last night they, they scored late. Michael McKenna's late penalty, which got them a draw uh, against Hamilton. Yep. And you're thinking, OK, uh, is that, how, what's a point going to do for you? Well, uh, Kilmarnock were losing to United at the same time in the in the Ayrshire Derby, and suddenly are both are five ahead. Incredible. Um, with, the, incredible. with how many how many games to go, Leon? In the championship, yeah. I think there's twelve. Twelve now. to yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, but they just keep ticking over. You're right. Just you know, okay, it's not it's not the win, but it's it's still it's it's getting points. 
Kilmarnock dropping points. Uh, the, the job that Dick Campbell has done, done up there has been has been amazing. It really has. And if they could, if they could finish top of the league, I mean, what an achievement that would be. Do they then have to go from part time to full time, Leanne, to become a Premiership club? <laughs> they would probably give it a right good go. I think just at a part time level, yeah. it seems to work. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredible. Uh, their 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 season so far has been brilliant. Um, in terms of a cup shock, can I go for a cup shock? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I quite fancy, fancy Partick Thistle against Dundee United. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. Thistle have, uh, on a decent run in terms of their, their league form. Um, I actually thought that one, might, at the time the draw was made, I thought that one might have been picked by television because I, I thought, you know, obviously, I mean, Partick Thistle are, 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 are in the frame for promotion mm-hmm. from the championship. Dundee United, you're never totally sure what you're going to get. Yeah, uh, listen, you'll be lucky if that game goes ahead at the weekend because have you seen the pitch? Mm. Oh, yeah. For Hill, it's a disaster just now. For Hill, Pit, for mud. Pitch inspection is every it? every game, virtually. Yeah, uh, it's, it's one that will be lucky if, if the weather keeps up and the way it's going. Um, really tough, but no, it's one that I think that'll be a a tasty encounter as well. Um, bit of pressure on Dundee United as well, just because there is the, the league that separates the, mm, the sides. Yeah. But I think Ian McCall has got a belief that his Partick Thistle side are, are probably the slow burners within the, mm. the championship just now. They've got a couple of games in hand. The pitch has certainly played its part in that. But last season, it suited them and it was, you know, I think they had to catch up in three or four games in, in terms of that promotion and it worked for them. So I don't think they'll be overly concerned. We were speaking about Kevin Thompson and Kelty Hearts earlier on and, and that shock we kind of saw coming in the last round of the Cup. They could do it again. Be, I mean, you, you would feel more confident for them if they were at home. Um, but they're in Paisley against St Mirren. They're a really good team. They're, they're used to winning. Yes, and that's a, a lovely hab, habit to have. Uh, look, he, he's, his league form was incredible. Uh, obviously, it was uh, the last manager, I think, to, to then go on and sort of like, uh, sorry, have their first loss. He was the longest standing mm. manager with that. It, it's been an incredible job. Obviously, they've come up the league, yet still have been absolutely rock solid and been flying. When you look at Samirin, yes, you'd expect Samirin to be strong in the cup at home against uh, Kilty, but i tell you what, They've got every chance in this match. Cup football, yeah, and you know what it's like. It, it just brings something mm. uh, something different, a different environment, different feeling within the players. And cup football, I used to love it. I really did. St Mirren are in a, a really good place, though. They you are. You would need to say. Yeah. You know, they probably went through that sticky patch earlier mm. in the season, but they, they seem to have really turned a corner. In they're in the um, top six now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, th- and I think they're unbeaten. Yeah. Uh, is it in seven mm. or, or eight? Mm. Possibly their run is very, very good. So they're coming off the back of a couple of big wins and, and some strong points on the board into that top six. Rob, I think, for the first time I heard today, was that since the first day of the season perhaps so it's been a long time since they've found themselves up there I'm sure Jim Goodwin will be del- delighted that he's got a, another home game and, and certainly one that they are the favourites but I think that would be more of an interesting matchup to see how Kelty go about that game because I think going up against St Johnston they were at a, a low point they were probably there for the taking they knew what they had to do to, to stay in the game but I think there'll be more of a, a football game played between these two sides at the weekend and it'll be really interesting to see who comes out on top are you going to a game at the weekend? Uh, I am at Motherwell Aberdeen. Motherwell Aberdeen. So another big one with a bit of pressure yeah, that, that you sure know is. you just wonder big what pressure. will come of that in mm. relation to Stephen Glass if, if they don't get a result. 
Yeah, because Motherwell and Dundee United swapped places last night um, with that win at Tannadice. Tony Watt almost inevitably scoring <laughs> against uh, his old team. But I, normal, I, I saw, eh? It was going to happen, wasn't normal. it? <laughs> I, saw a little, I saw a little clip of Graham Alexander. He was obviously angry about it and he was saying to the players, look, what do you want to do? Do you want to have it, make this a special season or do you just want to want it to be average and finish yeah. in, in, in mid-table? So mm-hmm. you could tell his mood after that. Uh, but in terms of Aberdeen, um, the next two games... Absolutely crucial for them, you would think. I mean, they did so well in one respect last night, but still lost to Celtic. Um, Motherwell, they, they want the Scottish Cup run to continue. Uh, I mean, a club with such a, a Scottish Cup tradition, of course. And then Tuesday night, they rearranged game St. Johnson at Pataudry, Um And they will feel that that just has to be three Premiership points. Yeah, you would think so. In terms of, you're talking about Aberdeen now, yeah? You're mm. back to Aberdeen. Aberdeen, they're in ninth position. I mean, that's, this is Aberdeen that mm. really... Um, and under under Derek McInnes for for a long period of time, we're, we're ultra consistent. Um, yeah, there, there has been a drop off, obviously, for the new manager comes in, new players, and there is some quality there. There's no doubt about that. I think Ramirez is a fantastic player. You talk about Lewis Ferguson. There, there's some great players there, but they've massively underperformed so far this season. And, and you know you don't like to see managers under pressure, but the reality is, Rob, if you don't get the results and it becomes a trend and a it goes for a period of time, then you, <laughs> owners get nervous, mm. and especially American owners. Mm. Let me tell you, they're a little bit more trigger happy. Yeah. So it'll be very interesting. It's a massive, massive game for Aberdeen this cup match. Peterhead against Dundee is Monday night um, up in the northeast, and uh, well, you're you you you're kind of I'm I'm not so fearful as I was for Dundee. I think going into this one, just no. because of what, of what they did last night. But of course, um, League One Peterhead. It's going to be. A, it could be a tough night for them. It could be. Um, I do think that Dundee will have enough to get through that tie, right enough, and I think it'll be one that um, they'll relish. You know, not going up against a lesser opponent, but I think it's an opportunity for them to go and play without pressure as such, because I think their bread and butter just now is to remain within um, the Premiership. They don't want to get relegated. I think James McPeak made that clear last night. Um, they bounce back with a brilliant result and excellent three points so I think that's taking the pressure off and sometimes that's a good place to be Craig and you'll know what it's like maybe at points in your career where you can feel that pressure within the dressing room and that was a big result mm. you know to go to Tynecastle and mm. get three points that feel good factor Come from behind um, as well. and then have the cup game to mm. follow up you know perhaps go and get those two wins and you then kick on again as a squad maybe get some goals and stuff so um, I think that it was interesting watching the scores as well because obviously Hearts were, were ahead in, yeah. in, in yeah. their game and, and St Johnston were ahead in their game. Well. So at one point you're thinking, oh, this is St Johnston mm-hmm. on the road to recovery. Yeah, yeah. Both games turn around and, and suddenly uh, Dundee are off the bottom. What do they say? It's a funny old game, eh? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Nah, but you're right. Like It just it can swing so quickly and all of a sudden you're in a good position in a football match and you just need to look at the game at Pataudry. You know, Aberdeen are back in it and within a minute then they're, they're 3-2 mm. down. It's like... Doesn't take long to score a goal. I think you would much rather remain in the cup as well. You know, whether you would look at it as a distraction, or, but I think if you're Dundee, you would rather get through that tie yeah. and build that momentum, mm-hmm. you know, and have another game to look forward to and rather than trying to fill a weekend of, of training when other games are happening. Mm. You would rather be in the, the thick of it because um, playing those games is probably what Dundee need to get momentum and I think James McPake still needs to probably nail down his best 11 because there are certain positions that chop and change. Could be a very interesting Scottish Cup weekend. And I guess uh, Rangers at Annan on uh, Saturday 
and Celtic at home to Wraith Rovers on Sunday. So the clever money would be on both of those uh, getting through without too much fuss. But certainly uh, there is the potential uh, for another weekend of one or two cup shocks. Thanks, Leanne. And thanks to Craig uh, as well. Uh, Paul back uh, tomorrow night with uh, Barry Ferguson and Simon Donnelly live at five. Where do taxi drivers go when they need to buy a taxi? Well, the Taxi Centre have supplied cars to the trade for over 20 years and they stock a huge range of motors from the world's leading manufacturers Skoda, Kia, Toyota, Mercedes, Nissan, Ford, Hyundai, you name it They've got saloons, MPVs, estates, minibuses, prestige cars, the lot all under one roof ready for immediate collection or free delivery anywhere on the mainland UK with taxi trade exclusive discounts, flexible finance options and no hidden fees they even throw in registration and 12 months road tax. So if you're a taxi driver who needs a new or used taxi, where would you go? TheTaxiCentre.com. Trade only.